Thank you for joining us on our Valentine's Day special, My First Love is My Mother. In this episode, Mr. T talks about his childhood. Because the other thing that, um, which is, which you talked about was, was your dad. And I wanted to probe some more, but I didn't know if that was appropriate. We can go for it now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so your dad uh, married again or has two wives or what's always divorced your mom? Like, um... Okay. So the long and short of it is that uh, my grandparents had uh, one, two, three, they had five kids, four of them uh, are alive. Okay. One of them died during uh, childbirth, some complications. So my mom is the first daughter and uh, they kind of really wanted a son as the classical Asian parents back in the days do. And she was kind of raised that way. And it was actually a difficult time, uh, let's say, uh, financially. So they were, both my grandparents were struggling. If they didn't go to work, there would be worries for that. And there were some certain hard times because of economic crisis or other things that were going on. Or So, you know, uh, my mom was the eldest. She kind of always was the big, like looking after the house while my grandparents were working and all of those things. So fast forward to she's uh, 16, 17, and uh, they were kind of in a rush to do get, get her married and they never really been through that process before they were all kind of busy in their own uh, worlds of work and they kind of took the advice of this family member who said well this person is there in the UK and perhaps it could be a good match and it was a kind of a an arranged situation um and my mom had me at like uh 17 and uh and she moved to the UK for that. And I think, uh, uh, you know, she kind of was just following her parents' requests and just not making making them happy. And I think, um, you know, a few years into that, she started to realize, or uh, also because of the way her nature was and how she was brought up, she didn't stop doing what she's doing to just become a housewife. So she you know, made sure she could find her own independence as well and, and build herself and studied. I think I was three years old and I was sitting at the front of the exam hall while she was passing her master's exams. And because I was such a good kid, or <laughs> I'm such a good kid, uh, you know, I wasn't making any noises. I was just sitting there. It was for you to find out and me to know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sitting there at the front of the exam hall and just, you know, being, uh, just being there. Uh, I think it got to a point where my father basically um, gave an ultimatum of sort and said, well, you have to kind of choose between your parents and me. And for my mom, there was no two questions about it. And um, when I was about 12, you know, the divorce started to, 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 to happen. And uh, it was a bit of a confusing time because my mom never really let us feel those things. You know, what was going on. In, in behind closed doors, what was staying between husband and wife was between husband and wife. Uh, but as we grew older, well, we sense that something's not entirely quite right. And uh, um, you know, my father was a quite uh, a lazy character, quite a miserly character. 
uh, would go to work, come home, would go to work, come home. And, uh, you know, the testament to that is that he's still sitting in the same house that even we grew up in. So we moved away uh, while my mom moved to London to continue her independence and build her, uh, establish herself correctly. She started working. In the meantime, we, I was here in, in, in Pakistan with my grandparents and, and my little sister. And we were going to school here because my grandmother was the principal of that school, of the other division and, and stuff like that. So we were here and uh, we were establishing ourselves. And it was a bit of a interesting time for us because not only was it this cocoon that we came from because my mom was everything for us growing up. She was uh, the father, the mother, everything. She kind of kept us uh, protected. And it was school after school, uh, sports or the imam coming to the house and learning about Islam and Quran. It's not like you're sitting down and doing doing the hifs of the Quran. It's like sitting down and, you know, listening to stories of the prophets and understanding the concepts. And uh, when I was very, very young, um, I was so inspired by all of these stories that uh, uh, one day uh, my imam asked me, so what do you want to be when when you're older? And I said, I want to be a prophet. (laughs) <laughs> you know and then he sat me down and explained that it was not possible and i had been dreaming about it. i was like, like looking forward to that and he just shattered my entire dreams and i was like screw you man <laughs> i was like i'm not talking to this guy anymore he doesn't know anything <laughs> blah 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 so you know there was those kinds of inspirations and then all of a sudden you know going from that kind of bubble to being into the harsh realities of the jungle where I think on my fir- one of my first days, I went into the into a shop to buy some bakery stuff with my grandfather, and um, I just kind of blindly handed him the money and blindly took the money and started to walk out. And my grandfather said, "Stop, count the money." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm counting the money and taking forever to do it, and uh, doing all the maths there and this and that and." It's like, yeah, you know, and then you start learning and it opens your eyes to, to a bit more of the world, let's say. So it was kind of like from this innocence of life to the harsh realities of life. But at the same time with the divorce going on, it was also this kind of manning up for yourself. And like, okay, now you are the man of the house as well. It was a really interesting period. And I had good role models, my grandfather included, and my auntie's husband at the time as well. kind of um, was, uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, an excellent husband and an excellent father and everything. The point is that for me, there were still good role models around uh, who helped me and then, you know, making good friends mm-hmm. after that. But uh, once I came back from 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 Pakistan, because it was time for GCSE, because this life only happens once. The rest, while it is inter- eternity and while it might be... Wow. Um, I'm not sure how long- we got there. <laughs> well, I didn't want to interrupt your natural flow of conversation and uh, your thought process, essentially. Um, but okay, so that's interesting. So your mother really was. Um, so I'm just going to backtrack because there's so much that you've that you've said. Um, so your mother really was a sort of um, role model, I guess, given your current situation. Um, and at that point in your life, what were you? Twelve, you said. Did you have a choice as to whom you wanted to live with? Was living with your mother a natural decision for you? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, 
there was this 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 one day we had a sports day, uh, and I was so ready to go and kick some ass on the track, and also I felt bad because uh, a day before. So this was day two of sports day and a day before my sister was due to run in this teddy bear race. And I wanted her to win so much because I had lost my race that um, I was helping her accelerate and train. But the problem was that I trained her so much that by the time it came to the race, she was too tired. And I felt oh. so bad for that. I felt so horrible. I still do till, till today. And the next day, then I was like so geared up to like, you know, this is retribution time for Big Brother and all of this stuff. But um, and then I remember just seeing my mom walking into the school and I was like, and I was like, what is she doing? And I just remember seeing her walk up to the, the, the principal. The principal kind of sort of nod his head and then they walk towards us. And I was like, um, I just didn't know what to think, really. I was just like watching it unravel. And then my mom came to us and said, uh, we're going to McDonald's. And I was like, this is the best day ever. Uh, <laughs> and you just kind of forget about any teddy bears and everything. And you're like, yes, we're going to McDonald's. We went to, we went to McDonald's. And, no, I think we went to Tesco first. Or we went to McDonald's. And then we went to Tesco. Or this Morrison's, actually. I went to Morrison's and uh, she kind of uh, was explaining to us on the way. And we were talking about different things. And... And uh, she kind of left us with a question to to, to kind of decide this, you know, um, who would you who would you want to to stay with your father or or me? And uh, no question is a wrong answer. Like no answer is a wrong answer. Uh, it's entirely your choice. And uh, my mom went into the into Morrison's and she she let us kind of sort of decide and figure it out. And I remember turning to my sister and I was just like waiting for her to, to, to say anything. And she never really said anything. And I said, at one point, I just kind of said, okay, well, look, this, this is how I see it. I said, look, if we go to um, our father, we may have lots of money and all of this stuff and things and this and that, but it'll be an empty life. Um, and if we, if we go with mom, who's all been everything for us, we'll have... A parent who's actually a parent and someone who's deaf and uh, everything that has happened in the house or that has been done for us has been done through mom so are we to be uh, greedy in a worldly sense or are we to be uh, real about what is important for our uh, selves and our future and uh, we both kind of just took it all in and just looked at kind of weigh the options and realize actually there is no weight to the other side and uh, it would be better for both of us on many levels to uh, choose to stick with mum through everything. So your mother didn't actually say these are the benefits of living with me, these are the benefits no, no, of no, living no, with no. father. Was, so she left that decision, okay. And do you yeah. think that you made the right decision? I know that's a difficult question. <laughs> Totally, absolutely, unwaveringly, 100%, 110%. Yes. <laughs> Actually, what confirmed that for me is when I came back from Pakistan. I was, I shot up all of a sudden. I grew this Mexican mustache. Uh, I was <laughs> shaving all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, I was this dashing, tall, young, dashing? cute okay. man. Yeah, back in the days. <laughs> and uh you know basically i'd like reached six foot all of a sudden i just just grown and i felt like i'm a man now you know i'm shaving what 
and came back to the UK and just turned up randomly to his house and knocked on the door and he was totally shocked and I knew that he had been married again but he didn't know that I knew and I knew that he had a kid as well and the way he was so awkward and so unnatural and so weird about it and that plus just getting married randomly and uh, all of that just kind of confirmed to me and um, my mom sacrificed uh, everything for us everything uh, her own hopes dreams everything whether it was out of uh, happiness to her parents or even the joy of her own children uh, she sacrificed everything to, to us and I can never uh, can never equalize that uh, uh, give uh, my entire life to try to balance that because it still wouldn't be enough and there is nothing uh, to be balanced you know that was uh, the mother's cause that uh, she pursued um, but I can still try my best to make sure that um, she's happy and she's looked after her and that's the minimum 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 I can do and uh, you know we owe her everything uh, yet we can never repay hmm. a thing um, Mr. T I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop there for today yeah no worries it's a good so we came back to the UK and uh, started going to a boarding school near near Stonehenge and uh, was there for, for a number of years until sixth form. And that's, uh, that's when I first came back to London, actually, and actually started to live with my mom again uh, and go to college there. My sister went to a girls' school. And then uh, from then on, because I'd been here, there, I definitely didn't want to stay in the UK. So I took a course which led me to uh, all kinds of places in Europe. Yeah, so I went around. And that passion to just keep learning about different cultures, languages, uh, different people, different ways of expression, just opening yourself up to the world. It's just been an incredible path. And everything that my father was and is all the fire that it's given me to be that good father. And I think um, anytime I have some kind of reflection on values and principles or how I need to be or how I want to be, it actually ends on the fact that you want to be that for your kids, for your legacy. And especially recently with my grandfather's passing, it just really hit me how, because uh, you only realize the impact of the presence people had after they're gone. And that's just the way life goes. And it's nothing to feel sad about. It's actually to take lessons from and, and inspirations from. And then I realized actually, you know, what can I do for him and also for me? And I said, well, okay, like there's things that uh, was real, real inspirations from him, whether it was his character, the way he was, freedom through contentment, that as long as you have enough you don't even want things so much in abundance that it would disconnect you from the realities of what really matters in life like nobody wants something so fast and so quick and actually what this generation doesn't realize that our parents knew very well is that struggle is just part of life and there is beauty in the struggle for those who see it that's the next part the first thing is that it's better to work your whole life rather than working to, uh, quote-unquote, retire at the age of 35 and then just be in this state of uh, pleasure-chasing 
because this world is uh, a prison for the believer and it's paradise for a disbeliever. And if I can implement that to, to, to my life, that will serve as not only charity for him, but also goodness for me. And we will both benefit. And if I can pass that to my kids, then that is the legacy that you leave behind. And that is what matters at the end of the day. It's not it sort of gives you this feeling of... Thank you for listening to our Valentine's Day special. If you love what you're hearing, then drop us an email on honeytrappodcast at outlook.com. Keep tuning in. Mm-hmm.